track down a Bible if you can and get with me to Psalm 23. Now, if you got your items ready to take communion, you keep holding on to those because in a few minutes after the sermon, we'll take those items together. Psalm 23 verses 1 to 6. Now, this is an adjustment to the plan. Uh, We've been going through a series recently where we're going through the entire storyline of the Bible and we're using a children's storybook Bible to kind of frame out our discussion. And um, last week, it was so kind of God that the story that we landed on happened to be the exact story that we needed in that moment. And I felt uh, so grateful to God for his providence and the way that that all worked and how it ministered to my heart and to the hearts of many of you. Then this week, as things continued to shift and change, I decided that it would be in the best interest of my own soul, and hopefully yours as well, that we would make some adjustments. And so this morning, we're landing in Psalm 23. Now, everything is changing right now, right? You know, we'll make a plan that's been very challenging for me to lead in this time because I'll make a plan, and I'll pray about it, and I'll feel like this is exactly what we need to do. And then that very same day, something changes, And a new plan has to be crafted. And so it's been like that over and over again. And that's not unique to me. I know it's true of all of our lives right now, that we have plans and those plans keep shifting. Some of us uh, are going on spring break this week. Our kids were going to be off of school and people are making different arrangements to spend that time in the way that they wanted to. And so we were talking about sneaking away for a few days and heading up to my uncle's cabin. And uh, just having a time of rest and refreshment. And, and obviously that, that has changed. So things are changing and we acknowledge that. And so we decided we're just going to roll with whatever God is calling us to do in this moment. And so that lands us in Psalm 23. Uh, the other night, uh, through Ellie's leadership, we've been doing these evening times of worship and prayer. And uh, we're streaming them out so that people can send in their prayers and participate with us online. And Friday was the night that I was able to jump in and help with it. And um, it was, it's been a bizarre week because in addition to COVID-19 and all of the new challenges, uh, we got word that my aunt passed away. And so it's been hard for all of us to try to navigate that. But on Friday, I'm jumping into this time of worship and prayer, and the assignment is Psalm 23. And I am ugly crying driving to Walmart to get supplies and listening to to worship music. But then I read Psalm 23 and it was ministering to my soul. And I felt that um, this is where God was leading us this morning to Psalm 23 verses one to six. So I'm going to read it and then we'll pray and we will get to work. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, would you please use this word to speak to each of our hearts? 
Would you show us that you are a good God who can lead us well? Would you show us your love and your faithfulness toward us? And help us to know that you understand the significance of the challenges that we're facing, but you are fully capable to see us through it. And so in this moment, everyone who's tuning in, Lord, I'm asking that you would speak truth and love over their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the things that I love about this psalm is that it is brutally honest. It is not a superficial treatment of the challenges of life. In a moment like this, in the difficulties, you can hear these trite sayings of how people are trying to navigate the challenges. And sometimes you might wrongly assume that Christianity is just another trite, superficial attempt to help people. And that's not the case. What I love about Christianity is it speaks into the brutal honesty of the brokenness in our world, and it gives us a word of hope. This psalm, many people have suggested, was actually written toward the end of David's life, actually in a time when he was on the run for his life. Now, that was normal for him, actually. He lived a very challenging life. I'll sketch it out for you very briefly. When he was younger, he was in a bigger family, and his role was the shepherd of a flock. He was leading his his flock of sheep around the, uh, the wilderness area, and he was doing that. And having that role as a shepherd and an overseer of this flock, he had to fight off lions and a bear, and he had to do these different things, and it really was challenging. If you're familiar with the story, one time he goes to visit his brothers who are on the battlefield, and he hears a giant taunting the people of God, and he says, what is this guy doing? I'll go and fight him. And he does. He goes and he fights him and he wins. And many of us are familiar with that story of David and Goliath. And he fights and he wins. And that lands him in the favor of the king. He ends up working for the king. But then there's this growing animosity in their relationship. The king begins to look at David and his success and the favor of God on him. And he begins to resent him. And that relationship gets so strained that King Saul begins to threaten David's life. And so David has to peace out and he runs away. And he ends up living in caves and he ends up living in remote places. And he, li- he ends up living with this uncertainty of how things are going to play out as people are literally pursuing him to take his life. Well, eventually that king passes away and David becomes the king of Israel. And he leads the people well, although he makes some pretty significant missteps along the way. And then as he gets older, he has a bunch of sons and the sons have some interpersonal stuff going on as well. And they're kind of fighting for who's going to succeed him to be the next king. And Absalom, one of his sons, is actually maneuvering himself to take the throne. And David recognizes that threat and he recognizes that if he doesn't take dramatic action in that moment, his son might execute him. And so he runs again, and the the commentators are saying, Psalm 23 was likely written in that scenario, where David is able to look back on his life and all of the things that he has gone through, and all of the challenges along the way. And in this moment, he is speaking a word of truth. And again, it is not trite. It is sure. He has been through it all, and he is able to say, you, Lord, are my shepherd You, Lord, are my host, and you have been faithful through it all. And that word of confidence in the midst of struggle is what we need today. Though David might not know what it's like 
to live in a stay-in-shelter lockdown situation. He does know what it's like to live in a cave, unsure of where food and sustenance is going to come from, unsure of what's going to happen in the days ahead. He might not know what it's like to have loved ones who have contracted an illness and are unclear of what's going to happen, but he does know what it's like to have loved ones that he knows who are in harm's way, or even loved ones who have betrayed him and are seeking to do him harm. So he, he's able to look at us in this moment and he's going to speak over us. And he's able to say, though, I don't know exactly what it is that you're going through right now. God has a word for you. He is faithful and he is good. So let's look at this then. It's metaphorical language. It's two different metaphors talking about God and his relationship to his people. So the first one is the metaphor of a shepherd leading a flock or more specifically, a shepherd leading an individual sheep. And then the second metaphor that shows up is a host and his guest. A host who's inviting his guest into a home and rolling out a feast for them. And then what we find in both of those metaphors is this high note. And here's what it is. It's the highest of high notes. It is the fact that God is present. He is present. So in verse four, he says, for you are with me. And then in verse six, it speaks of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Here's how Ray Ortland puts it. He's one of the guys that I look up to, but he puts it like this. He says, if you're looking at the development of Psalm 23 and how it's leading us to understand who God is and what he's like and what he's offering to us, he says, to be the Lord's sheep is good. To be the Lord's guest is better. But to be with him in his presence forever, that's best of all. So let's follow that outline then and see what God has for us. The shepherd in verses 1 to 4. Look at verse 1 at the front end of it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd is uh, obviously a role where a person is overseeing a flock of sheep. And they have the responsibility then of leading that flock to the places where they can get food and where they can experience peace. And one of the realities of shepherding, and shepherding, by the way, is the, it comes over in Latin to be the word pastor. So it's very dear to me as somebody who's commissioned to be a pastor. So the Lord is leading this uh, flock of sheep. And when you think about shepherding, one of the things that's beautiful about it is the shepherd has this concern for every member of his flock. And there's this intimate relationship that's being forged. Uh, The shepherd would know the temperaments of each of the different animals and would have to lead in a way that would bring as many as possible to the places of of rest and, and sustenance. And this week, as I was thinking about the experience of shepherding, pastoring, I was thinking about the different temperaments, the different conditions of each person within the flock. And some are incredibly fearful right now, and maybe rightly so. And some, on the opposite end of the spectrum, are overly confident and unconcerned. And nonetheless, the Lord has this ability to shepherd the entire flock to the places where he wants to lead them. And that is the work that I believe that God is doing and I've been praying for. And I feel ill-equipped to do it well. And I've, I've loved the last three years as I've gotten to know people intimately and learn more and more about you and about your temperament and about who you are and kind of what makes you tick. 
But in this moment, it just feels overwhelming to be looking into a camera, not knowing who's on the other end. But God sees you and he knows you and he wants to lead you gently and carefully to the places you need to be. Now, one of the things you'll notice here is that it is an invitation to personalize the relationship. Often in the Bible and in other cultures as well, but in the Bible, there's often this language that's kind of collective. It's kind of communal. It's saying, we do these things. There are, there are words like we and us and ours and things like that. But here in this psalm, it's a very private and intimate interaction with the Lord. Um, now, as Western Americans, uh, we, we privatize our faith. So we need help with communal language. We need to be reminded that Christianity isn't just about me or life isn't just about me, but there are other people involved as well. Like in Nairobi, Kenya, they have more communal language when they're talking about, when they're telling stories, they're saying my people and things like that. And often the Bible kind of follows suit. It comes from that culture where people are, they're together and they see themselves as being together. But here in this Psalm, look at the language again. It is all very intimate and very personal. It is my shepherd. I do these things. You are my God. And there's this direct connectedness with God. And I want to invite you to consider that today because God wants to be your shepherd and your host. Look again at verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. And I want to ask you, is that language that you could adopt? Is that language that you could affirm in this moment that God is leading you? He's making that invitation today, and I want you to receive that well. He's asking that you would personalize this relationship with him. And look at the outcome at the end of verse 1. It goes on to say, I lack nothing. So if you're able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, then we might even add, therefore, I lack nothing. If he's my shepherd and he's leading me with his capability, with his ability to be God, then I don't lack anything, come what may. He is the one who is leading us, and therefore we can claim that promise that we would lack nothing if he is in charge, and we are surrendering to his shepherding ministry toward us, and he is leading us in the ways that he wants us. He's gathering us in, and he's bringing us to these beautiful places. Then we should be able to say, he's my God, and therefore I lack Nothing. Well, let's look at the scope of his care. He provides for his sheep. Look at verse 2. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's saying that this shepherd is capable of taking his sheep and leading them to these places of rest. I love it in one of the footnotes in, in one of the Bibles that I have. It says that it's leading them to waters of rest. We were going to, like I mentioned, we were going to go up to my uncle's cabin in northern Wisconsin this upcoming week. And uh, that, that place is so beautiful to sit beside the lake and to have God do a work that, that is so refreshing. In fact, there, there have been moments in my life that are vivid to me that I can think of and I can, I can talk about it in a way where I can say, I sat there beside the lake and God ministered to me. Uh, maybe nine years ago, there's a, there's a moment that comes to mind where Ash and I were sitting out on the um, deck furniture and the sun was just 
hitting us just right. And we were looking out on the water and it was totally calm. The, the lake looked like glass. And I remember just feeling that whatever cares or concerns I may have had in my life at that moment, they seemed to fade away. They seemed to fade into the background. And here's what's very, very beautiful about the shepherding ministry of the Lord. He's, he's promising us that no matter what is going on in our crazy world right now, he is leading us to these places where we could experience the green pastures, the waters of rest, the refreshment of our souls. He's leading us to this place where we could have this sort of confidence in his goodness, this gospel peace, this awareness of what God has done for us and what he's doing in us. And therefore, even as the world is kind of getting more and more chaotic, we're, we're able to navigate it in a way that's very graceful because we have a peace about us. It's a fruit of the spirit that God gifts to us, but it's also a byproduct of his leadership in our lives. God is leading us to these places of rest and he is leading and guiding us. Look at verse three at the end there. It says, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He guides me to the places that I need to go. These right paths for his namesake. And the truth is when the shepherd is leading the sheep through these different places, and we'll see it in just a moment, sometimes they have to go through very sketchy areas to get to the, the intended destination. But if you are following his leadership, you can trust him. So my niece had a birthday party recently and we were going to the location where the party was going to be at. And I was talking to my wife and we were saying, okay, where's this place at? And, and we looked it up online and then we thought, okay, how do we get there from our home to this area in Rockford? And we both had different ideas. So I said, okay, I'll just punch it into the GPS. And I punched it into my phone and we started to go and it was taking us this very obscure way. And so my wife and I began to kind of dialogue about it. Like we're going the wrong way. And, and so I made an adjustment to the course that we were taking. And she said, no, we need to go this way. And so we were just kind of trying to figure this thing out. And then after, so we get there, right? We get there. But then I look back at the map and I'm looking at what was the right way to go. And sure enough, the GPS was taking us the clearest path, the rightest path to get there. Now that's true of how we often navigate life as well. If we are going to say, Lord, we want you to lead us. We want you to guide us along the right paths. Sometimes we look at the course that he's taking us down and we might think, no way, dude, I'm not going that way. That is not the way that I'm accustomed to. That's not the way that feels comfortable to me. That's not right. But if you recognize what's happening here in Psalm 23, David is telling us the Lord is able to lead you down the right path, the paths of righteousness, the way that is best to get you to the destination, even in the midst of trouble. Look at verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This is not saying that if the Lord is leading you, you are omitted from having to go through these treacherous places. But it is telling us that in the midst of those treacherous places, he's with us. And if he's leading us down the right path to the intended destination, then if he's going with us and before us, then we can be confident of his leadership and his care. That even if we're looking at this moment and we're just feeling so 
fearful of what's going to come and, and what's going to happen and how it's going to affect us and our loved ones, we, if, we, if we are entrusting ourselves to the leadership of the Lord, he is faithful, even if we go through the darkest of valleys. And again, David is not speaking theoretically. He's able to say, I've been in the darkest of caves, fearing for my life, and God was faithful. He was with me. I've been hunted as people were trying to take my own life, and God was faithful. I went through those valleys, and God proved himself to be reliable, faithful, and true. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The tools of the shepherding craft are something that gave David even greater confidence in the Lord. He's saying your rod and your staff, your ability to fend off harm and to corral us in, you use your tools wisely. And when I think about you and the tools that you use to lead us, I am comforted. Now, this is a very beautiful truth and it is the ideal. It's telling us that the Lord is able to lead us exactly as he intends. And the truth is, even though I am called to a shepherding ministry, I look at this and I go, well, I'm getting it wrong. When I look at the ideal of how to lead people appropriately to these places with a gentleness and a care and a gospel confidence, I look at it and I go, man, this is the hardest season of pastoral ministry that I've ever been in. And I understand my limitations, but God does not have limitations. Last night, Ash and I were talking, it was late in the evening and she was um, asking me questions about certain things and she was kind of putting to me some pretty hefty things. And I just said to her, I don't know. She was asking me about God and his nature and his character and how things are playing out presently. And I just said, I don't know. And she said, honestly, uh, with sincerity, she was asking me this question. Aren't you the guy with the answers? Like, haven't you given years of your life to studying these things? Um, aren't you the one who can explain what the Bible says to other people in a way that's hopefully clear? And I said, what I heard another pastor say, I, I put it like this. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who points to that guy. This ideal of leadership is not something that I can take on myself or any pastor right now could own confidently, but we are able to say we are pointing to the true shepherd, the true shepherd, the true leader, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Over and over throughout the Bible, that idea of shepherding is a significant one. It shows up in the fact that leaders in the Old Testament, kings in the Old Testament, they're considered shepherds. Um, in the New Testament, it becomes this prototype for spiritual leadership as pastors and elders and overseers are called the shepherd, the flock of God's people. But Jesus is the one who shows it to us most clearly. He takes it on himself and he shows us that everyone else is striving to approximate to what he's doing, but he is the true shepherd of our souls. John chapter 10, verse 11, he puts it very clearly when he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is telling us that he is the leader that Psalm 23 is talking about hundreds of years previous. He is the one who is going to lead his people to these places of rest. And here's how he's going to accomplish it. By the laying down of his life. He's willing to die for the good of his flock. He's willing to do whatever is necessary for their benefit. And then he says in that same chapter, a few verses later, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
My question then is, do you know the shepherd? Have you personalized this reality? Have you recognized that God is offering himself to you through his son, Jesus Christ? And he's saying, I could be your shepherd. I could lead you to these places of rest in the midst of chaos and confusion. Now, who couldn't benefit from this kind of non-anxious leadership? Who wouldn't benefit from following somebody who does know the way and who is in control? I hope and I pray that that is your experience right now, that you are following the leadership of the risen and reigning Christ, the good shepherd who loves his flock. All right, now secondly, we see the host in verses 5 and 6. The host is one who is inviting people to his table, and he's doing it in a way that is lavish. Look at verse 5. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's this kind of fascinating reality, and David experienced it, and the leaders of, of Israel experienced it previously, and, and, and David is talking about this phenomenon where God looks at his people, and he's able to say, no matter what's going on around you, come to my table. No matter what's going on around you. So the elders, when, when the people of God were being established early on in the Bible, they were invited up to the mountaintop to have a meal in the presence of God. And there were enemies and threats around them. There were armies, uh, you know, around this mountain. There were people who were threatening to do harm to them, but they were sharing this meal together with God. David here in this moment is probably sharing a meal with his closest friends in God's presence. That even though he has a son who is seeking to do harm to him and to his kingdom, he's able to say, God is here. He has set a table before me. And I then am able to interact with God in this moment. And it is a beautiful thing because he has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He, look at verse five, he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. When a host invited somebody into their home like that, they would anoint them with oil. They would fill their cup. And David is able to say, I understand what's going on around me right now. I understand the calamity that this could be, but God is with me. He is preparing this feast for me in the presence of my enemies. He's anointing me with oil. My cup is overflowing. Verse six, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. He's admitting that there is somebody in pursuit of him. Absalom is chasing him down just like King Saul was chasing him down. And he's, he's, he recognizes there are people who are following me. It's that same word. There's somebody in my pursuit. There's somebody who's coming after me. It isn't Absalom. It isn't King Saul many years prior. It's the Lord himself. It's his goodness and his love chasing me down. The last few days we've been playing tag at my house and so we're running around my house and my kids are chasing me and I had ACL surgery so I'm uh, a bum right now and I'm, you know, struggling to uh, be as quick as I used to be. My daughter is so fast and so it's challenging to play tag with her because I know she's just going to get me. Uh, she's going to chase me down and she's going to get me. In that same way, in a moment like this, I want to say to you that God's goodness and his love are in hot pursuit of you. 
that he is coming after you and he wants to overwhelm you with his goodness and his love. That he is, as some have said, the hound of heaven. That he's like my, my daughter Reese. He's, he's behind you. You don't have a shot. He's super fast. And he's coming after you and he wants to show you his goodness and his love in this moment. He's trying to overwhelm you and, and show you who he is. And then verse 6, that at the end there it says, and this is that high, high note that we mentioned on the front side, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's preparing a, a table for me. He's going to share a meal with me. He's going to anoint me and fill my cup. He's going to overwhelm me with his goodness. And therefore, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's inviting us to experience him. He's inviting us to have that intimate fellowship with the Lord himself. That's what is going to see us through the hardest of times. An awareness that God is with us in them and is preparing a place for us after them. God is inviting us to dwell in his house forever. It's not a physical space. We can't meet in a church building. We can't designate a place on the earth where we say, this is the house of the Lord. But we recognize that wherever the Lord is there, that is where we have this intimate fellowship with him. And he's inviting us into that right now. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to take communion together. But I'm asking that you would interact with the risen and reigning Jesus Christ, the shepherd of your soul, the host of the banquet, the one who's saying, I want to be with you. I am for you. I will lead you through this. And I will give you all of the benefits of being a child of the king. So let's pray. Lord, would you help each of us that are tuning in this morning and maybe watching later online? Would you show us by your spirit right now your love for us? Would you show us your pursuit of us, that you are coming after us to reveal your character, your goodness, and your love? Would you give us confidence that if we entrust our lives to you in this season, that you will see us through it? That you will wisely lead us through the darkest of valleys to come out on the other side to the places of quiet water and rest, the places of peace? And would you help us to see that come what may, you are faithful and good you are preparing a place in your presence so we could dwell with you forever. Help us to believe that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.